Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Province Force Podcast. Welcome to the White Towel Podcast. I am Paul Chapman. I'm joined by Canucks beat writer Patrick Johnson. Patrick, day after a loss to the LA Kings, is that any better than the day after a win uh, versus the LA Kings? Probably probably uh, not as good, no. Saturday was a good win. Uh, Tuesday was a unfortunate loss. I thought the Canucks played well enough to win, but you got to bury your chances. You know, the Louis Erickson not scoring on uh, the great setup from Alex Biega was was one moment, uh, you know, they had a few other chances that they could have scored. Kind of sums up how things are going right now, I'd say, for the Canucks in that. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they've played well enough to start this season for the most part. They've had some bad games. They've been in most of their games. They haven't gotten some bounces in a few games. They've deserved to lose a bunch of games. They've deserved to win a bunch of games. And here they are. They're sort of on the edge of the playoff fight. But it's gonna get, it's getting really tough. And we see Vegas coming in tomorrow night as a another example of a team that uh, is – getting better uh, as they kind of get into the groove of the season while the Canucks are right now treading a little bit of water. So you were at the game in LA. I know Mm -hmm. we want to look forward here, but uh, I I was fascinated with the mindset of this group that the early long road trips seemed to galvanize them a little bit, but then the losses seemed to be eating away at them. What was the mood in the locker room after the win on Saturday? And then are you surprised that we didn't see a little more spirited effort when they got back home? I, I, after the game, they were delighted. I mean, they were happy. This was a, a win that was, you know, in their minds anyway, a long time coming. And you look at, like I said, a couple of the games that had happened on the, in that skid beforehand, perhaps unfortunate to, to lose that game on Anaheim on Wednesday. They, they didn't play great, but Anaheim wasn't great. And, you know, a save here or there, uh, another goal here or there. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, they were getting so frustrated by the fact that they couldn't kill any penalties that they literally were starting to talk about the fact, let's just not take penalties, which was, you know, in general, a fair comment. Uh, they've been taking too, pen- too many penalties anyway. So, you know, I, this was a team that was incredibly, incredibly relieved, really happy to be finishing a trip on a high note, uh, to win in, I think, I would say pretty emphatic fashion. That King's effort on Saturday night was pretty weak. Uh, but, yeah, Tuesday night. I mean, like I said, they had their chances to score, but you got to take, you can't, you know, this is a team that can't afford to let them go by. And uh, they certainly, you know, they, they, they did more, I would say, you know, sort of in the third period than say they did actually did in the win uh, on, on Saturday, which was, you know, the second game in two nights, three games in four or three games in four nights. 
uh, you know, so you could understand perhaps them being a little bit uh, more com- uh, careful, I should say, in how they approach that third period. But yeah, last night, I mean, they got the goal. They came back. They got the goal. Uh, yeah, but one goal at home is not going to win you many games. And in the big picture, that kind of, again, tells the story of where the Canucks are at right now. Speaking of that picture, Sam Gagne back. Right. Certainly had an effect on Saturday night. Good move for you, or is this just? Well, I is, mean, is it is it just like another? Let's just add another NHL journeyman to the list for well, some depth. Well, it's, I mean, I sort of said it is kind of weird to think about the fact that this was a guy that you know a week and a half ago was still in the American Hockey League, and it's been quite a turnaround. Uh, that 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 to start the season, they sort of made a decision. No, we don't have a spot for this guy, uh, but they recognize the fact that he does have some offensive talent and. That's why they originally signed him in the first place. And, you know, for all the, all the warts that people highlighted about his season last year, and a lot of them are valid. He's not a great defensive hockey player. He still put up 35 points on a team that was desperate to score last year. So, you know, to me, there was always a chance of there being a role for him on this team, which is a team that's, you know, I mean, the, the owner wants them, you know, the owner wants to talk about the playoffs, but let's be realistic. Oh, I'm going to get into that. You know, let's be realistic. But, you know, in the end, no matter what, if, if the point of the season is to at least have some fun, you know, play up tempo, give the fans something to enjoy, he's a player that comes in and he's done well. He's played well on, on Bo Horvat's wing. He brings a different dynamic on the power play, which, has been an interesting dynamic. I mean, they were scoring goals. They were scoring goals even without the first unit looking good and even without Brock Besser. Uh, so Gagne coming in, he's made a, made a difference. He, of course, scored the power play goal last Saturday. Uh, yeah, he's been a useful player. And I think as things go forward, especially with, with looking like Sven Berchi is not going to be back anytime soon, with, soon uh, because of a concussion, you know, he's clearly got a role on this team. Of course, you know, as the things evolve, we'll see how that plays out. But right now, He's doing just fine. You had, had mentioned something to me earlier in the season that uh, it, whenever you see Francesco Aquilini tweet, it is just so much fun because you know what's coming. Yeah. You just know the responses he's going to get. Everything from when he showed us a picture of his grapes. Yeah. <laughs> literally his grapes, not nothing bad, but yeah, he showed yeah, a picture of yeah. grapes from his vineyard and responses along the lines of, oh, so you do know how to grow and nurture something slowly <laughs> to fruition. Uh, last night, he tweeted out in the third period, man, so close, just like a playoff game. The responses were gold. It's like, man, you've been a long time without watching a playoff game. And this is a snooze fest. And what game are you watching? It's I, I love that he is engaging with people. This is obviously a strategy. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't want to be questioned. He does not respond to people's tweets. No. But he puts it out there and fans have fun with it. You know what? You know what? Yeah. To, I would say to his credit because he, he wouldn't be doing this if he weren't aware of what it what happens whenever he tweets. And well, Do you think he reads his replies? I have no idea. How could he not? Don't most people? We're not, he's not most people, Patrick, in uh, case you haven't noticed. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But he seems to enjoy tweeting for whatever reason he tweets. And, and yeah, he brings up – I mean, let's be honest. Last night's live tweeting effort was better than the previous one. Uh, but still, you know, gave us insight into sort of what he's focused on and – you know, hey, this looks like the playoffs. And you're like, well, you're playing the team that's last in the that's division. That's the key to me. So, I mean, you're talking about yeah. that it's a tight game and this is the worst team in the NHL. Yeah. Okay. And you beat them a couple of nights before. I don't think you should be lauding. I don't, I don't want to criticize the effort, but certainly it was not an entertaining game to watch. No, it wasn't. And I mean, goals, 
goals always change your perception of how entertaining the game was. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I personally, it, <laughs> I personally didn't think it was awful. I've seen much worse games, but yeah, I mean, two goals through 60 minutes is people, and you look at basically how these teams have been playing and both teams have been given up goals. So you'd think there would be more goals in a game like that. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of offensive talent. It's not like there's, you know, Ilya Kolachuk was playing, who of course was a talking point on its own because Willie's playing him on the fourth line, but you've got Ilya Kolachuk, you've got Jeff Carter, you've got Ansi Kopitar, you've got Drew Doughty, you know, and you look on the Canucks side, you have Bo Horvat, you have Brock Besser returning from injury, you have Elias Pettersson, you know, guys that know how to, you know, do stuff with the puck. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, it was like, uh, no, this is not. First of all, it's the end of November and hockey is never at full tilt until well into the second half. And second of all, yeah, I mean, these teams, these are two struggling teams and, and there's no getting around that. I mean, the yeah. owner's not going to say his team's struggling, right? He's going to look for the upbeat, positive no, angle. No, but don't, again, but again the it, playoff comparison. Yeah, no, was... no, totally. No, totally. And that, that was my point. I mean, I said to a couple who said like, yeah, but. You're playing the team that's the worst team in the league. So how can you like on its face the comparison? Yeah. I know what I know what you're trying to say, but on its face the comparison is silly. Yeah, man, this is really tight. Love that uh, Derby for yeah Turtle Derby for yeah. for Jack yeah. Hughes. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Besser coming back one game. What's your outlook for Besser? The I think next it's ten games or so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's still one to watch. I mean, clearly, you know, coming back off his back injury, he himself has said it kept him basically off the ice until August. Most players are on back on the ice, you know, months, sometimes even before that, uh, you know, it set his recovery back and, and, and that whole area, your groin, you know, your, your hamstrings, your lower back, it's all tied together. And so him having an adductor problem wasn't, a surprise in the end. The adductor is the muscle that runs over sort of across your hip. And, um, you know, he, he said he was in, he was having trouble, you know, really generating speed and he was having trouble shooting. And last night he, you know, had 10 shot attempts. I mean, he was, he was, he looked back to his old self and, and he didn't score, but he was, he, he appeared more dynamic. So it was maybe in a certain level having to go off the ice and just get himself right and then, you know, get himself able to focus a little bit more on some of the areas that were perhaps lacking in the overall sense. Uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Let's, let's look at these 10 games, see how they go. But certainly, you know, I, I would say he's, he's undoubtedly in, in terms of cardio and that kind of thing going to be further along because he can get that going. It's, it's the sort of how does his legs feel and all that. And, you know, early suggestions where he was feeling good. But again, in season, you're dealing with a groin problem. Uh, that that area is always hard to recover from if you're actually having to play games every other night, and that's going to be his challenge. Is can he can he find his way back to something close? I mean, I don't think he's going to be 100 percent before the end of the season because that's just sort of impossible to find. I mean, they do have I think like 10 game 10 days off around the All Star break at the end of January, which should help them, you know, get rest and relax. Editor's note: Patrick's first year on the beat. <laughs> Picking out the long stretches of time he can have <laughs> off during the season, but uh, no, it, you know, I mean, even so, you know, the next couple of months here are going to be, you know, there's two two months essentially until that till that break. So you know, ten games, ten games, it takes us to the end of December. You know, I, I think he, I think he's going to be fine. The Canucks do have some time at home here, so they're not traveling, they're not sitting in airplane seats. They have a chance to, you know, get themselves sort of rested and 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 healthy. Uh, I think I think things are looking promising for him. Um, 
of course, as we look at the season, it is young players. It's hope. And so I want to run through a, f- a few of them here. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I find Pedersen so refreshing, yeah. not just, you know, I wouldn't say he had any quality chances last night, but he had a couple of moments of still wow. Yeah. And the Canucks have lacked that for so long. I think even with the Sedins the last couple of years, we knew they were marquee players, still capable of a moment here or there, but you'd often see long stretches of games where they really wouldn't do anything. And you might, then you start guessing, are they injured? Are they tired? What's going on? Are they well, not different motivated? Different players, too. Well, completely yeah. different yeah. players, but you'd still see, as they would call it, sedinary yeah. moments of magic between the two of them. Um, but I'm finding that with Pedersen that every game he does something where you go like, what? <laughs> and you're either dying for the replay or you, you yeah. want to rewind it to see what he did. A couple of those moments still last night, again, maybe not manifesting themselves in in grade A chances, but still making you take notice that, man, this kid has some special skills. Yeah, and I mean, he's got only four, I think four points in the last 10 games, but that's not without a lack of trying. There was a bit of a dip early on that road trip where uh, – you know, the play was happening at the wrong end of the ice, which has been unusual. Mostly he's been on offensive, uh, the Canucks have been on an offensive run when he's been on the ice that generally they're in the attacking zone, which is what you want. And, uh, so his influence has always been obvious. And then, yeah, like you said, there's these individual moments where he, you know, he stick handles through four guys or he stick handles with somebody in the corner and creates spaces. The thing that constantly impresses me is, is he has this extra extra power in his stride that I, I don't even know if it surprises opponents because you know he's now but we're what twenty five games into the season and uh, you know if teams most you know they've played basically all their divisional rivals and they've played a whole lot of teams from around the league so most most teams have seen him now and uh, and he's he's a player that you know it's that extra stride when he goes into collect the puck off the boards that. He ends up in a puck battle, but he comes out of it because he just may put himself in a better position, uh, you know, literally in the physical sense that, you know, he just is in an angle that he's going to skate away with the puck. Uh, he, you know, he does these things and he, he's so quick at it. And it, it is amazing when you see a player, and you know this as a coach. I mean, we've seen athletes, maybe not necessarily to this degree, but but who stand out among their peers, who process the game a little more quickly, who do things just a little bit better. And it's because they just they have an awareness of the situation, an awareness of space, and they're, they're always the most fun players to watch when you, especially when you see those little things happening. That that it's not. I mean, obviously the goals are the fun part, and the passes are the fun part. But it's it's just as it's the little bits of technique that he pulls out. You're like, wow, I've never seen that before. And some of it's because you literally haven't seen that before, but also just because you've never noticed someone do that at speed. And uh, I think. I think again. I mean, he's quote unquote in a slump, but really, I mean, the guy's going to keep scoring and he's going to keep getting chances and goals. Goals will come in bunches again. I mean, Patrick Laine was in a quote unquote slump and he scored five goals on the weekend. So, yeah, scored eleven goals in a week. You know, so you know these things happen, and all all good players go through patches where they're doing lots, but they're not necessarily scoring. And he's still doing lots great. And uh, it's 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 been such a fun surprise this season. You know, you mentioned the Sedins, and clearly there's a shift. You know, it's a different. Uh, style of play and it's funny how much we kind of took for granted the fact that the Sedins they came as a duo and that was kind of how they beat you because they beat you they beat you as a pair and and you almost forget what it's like to see a player who can just beat someone on their own like most of us just operate on our own right the Sedins were such a unique uh 
unique example of, of how to beat an opposition by having two people that think exactly the same way. I mean, we're never going to see that again. There's a joke in here about you and Coos, but I'll yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but but Pedersen in the end. I mean, that's the other thing. That's the, I, I, that's the other interesting contrast I've been thinking about because you know we talk a lot about some of the Canucks that have come before, and people keep bringing up Pebble Bure, and we forget that. I think we forget Beret. Like he was such an individual, and, and he, yeah, he had, you know, he had other teammates, and there's sort of, you know, that kind of thing. But he, he literally makes stuff happen on his own, and and Patterson's like that. That's to me what's been most exciting is just seeing what's he going to do next. Well, you talked about you know when you see a kid at whatever level, and you, you sometimes you go, you'll say they've got it right, like yeah. something that other kids don't. Interesting that you you reference Bure because that was the moment last night where Pedersen does the back to his skate right. back around the while you know the defenseman's fishing for the puck he's yeah. in, in amongst three defenders and he comes out of it in the end someone gets their stick on the puck and he just doesn't get the shot away but still the audacity to pull off that move again is is very Bure esque and it's it's the decision making of those elite players I mean yes you need the hands, you need the quickness, you yep. need the fitness, you need the determination, the mental character. But to me, so much of the, prof- at the professional level, it's about decision making and the, the, the balls, so to yeah. speak, for a young guy who knows he's got all this attention and he is physically slight against most of the players he's playing is to decide to make those plays mm-hmm. instead of what we see in hockey so much is make the safe play, right? Like don't stand out. You know, don't give the puck away. He takes chances. I don't think there's enough of that in hockey. And that, to me, versus other good players that Canucks have, tells me I think this kid's on track for superstar. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I I think I think we mentioned it the last time out or, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, and I, I wrote about it, which was that in that 7-6 game when he made the, the slap pass dump in off the end boards for Besser basically to skate onto and flip over the goal. Yeah, who makes that decision? Who does that? And, you know, I mean, it was, it was a again, a Sedin-esque thing. And we, you know, we talked to the various players afterwards and the media ourselves all said, said the same thing. It reminded us of the Sedins, they would do that kind of thing. Um and it was it, that was a sort of individual thinking that you know I can do this I can set up a guy there he's there I can put him down or I can put it down there and he'll win at the race of the puck you know but again you, I think about what Jake Vertanen told me and and you know I mean it's not that's not how he plays the game and so you know you could kind of understand why he he said that in the in in context you know he said I would never try that he said that's just you know like who tries that. And that, and it was, it was a compliment, you know, it was a statement about just how Pedersen thinks and sees the game. And yeah, it's, it, it's bravery, you know, it's just saying, I'm going to do this. And, you know, to, to, I would say to Travis Green's credit, it perhaps it's a statement about where, uh, coaching has evolved to, which is that he said, I want my players to make mistakes. You know, I want them not to be afraid of failure. I want them to try stuff. And that's the best thing you could ever say about a young, to a young player. Is that why Goldobin's been benched when he's, you know, at various points of his career when he hasn't been defensively responsible? Previously. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think, you know. But it's a hockey mentality. You know what I, I know what you're saying. I I think it really is. Like, don't stand out. Don't give the puck away. They'd rather, they'd rather someone not give the puck away 10 times than be safe with the puck eight times, but give it away twice trying to be creative. And it, well, I mean, and look at, look at, I've already referenced it. Why, like, why are you playing Ilya Kovalchuk on the fourth line? And, well, because it's Willie. You know, and because you're afraid. And you're seeing those stories now, yeah. Yeah, you're afraid of the, the alter, alternative, which is like, I'm not even sure what. Like, he you, he was signed to score goals and now he's sitting on the fourth line? Like, that doesn't make any, I mean, he may be 35 years old and he may be slower than he used to be, but in the end, you signed him to do one thing and you're not going to use him in that? It just was so, and, and he hasn't scored. He hasn't scored in eight games. Basically, he hasn't scored since, since Willie took over the coach. And it's just like, 
because he might make a mistake, you're not going to put him in a position to score. Like it's just, it's such, it's such a strange thing for me to think about. I mean, I know in my own coaching process and when you're dealing with young players and being realistic that you're not coaching superstars, you're coaching a bunch of kids who want to learn their sport. And you're like, well, mistakes are going to happen and they're going to learn from them. And you just have to, you know, let the foot off, uh, the foot off the brake a little bit. And so that's been the, the other nice thing is that they're just saying, listen, and then, you know, you bring up Goldobin, who's a player who definitely had to learn some sort of stuff about sort of consistency and the other, other things you got to do that. Yeah, we knew that you could handle the puck, but we need you to understand, you know, that to get there, you need to do, you know, there are some basics that do actually need to happen. And he's taken that on board and, and, and pairing him with Patterson was such a statement from the coaching staff saying, we think you can be this player. We think that you're the guy that should be playing with him. And he's put up points as a result. Well, I, so Goldobin was a guy that at the start of the year, there were still, if he, I mean, didn't have a, I would characterize, didn't have a bad training, training camp, but didn't have a great training no, camp. No, didn't blow anybody away. Now. And people are looking at it going, okay, this guy's kind of had his shot at the yeah. NHL. It's put yeah. up her shut up time now. Yeah. Not blown people away, but there's right. certainly chemistry there with a couple of the other young players from the Canucks. That do you see hope there? Have you seen a change in him over the last uh, two months? Goldobin? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny because on the first road trip, uh, you know, I talked to him a fair bit, and you know, he's a he's a young guy who, you know, you can see you can see in him that he's, you know, you you know he has a personality, you know he he. Uh, you know, has a, a pretty good sense of who he is and who he wants to be. And, you know, he, he's a, he's a stylish dresser. He likes, you know, wearing, he likes standing out. You know, he's not afraid to, to put on a pair of shoes that have, you know, some gold buckles on them. You know, he's not afraid to show up after, uh, after a practice at UBC wearing an orange toque. You know, like he's just, he's got a unique sense of himself. And, but at the same time, he's also, I think, careful. Can I just- Ask a question. Yeah. Does he wear the gold buckled shoes with the orange too? No. Okay. No, these are different. Just, these are different. Just days. for my own fashion these reference. Are, these are different days. But he's also a guy that, you know, I think, I think he sort of, he sort of said to himself, I need to be careful about what I say. I, I want to, I want to be the good foot soldier. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to say anything that's out of line. I've learned, you know, I mean, not that he ever was necessarily guilty of going too out of, out of the way, but I think he's just like, no, I just want to, I'm just here to play hockey. I've, I've, I'm going to do that. So interviewing him has become, you know, an interesting challenge because like, like I said, he, he has his personality, but you have to find ways to kind of get him so that, you know, he'll tell you, he'll tell you some things. And he's, you know, he, I talked to him the other day about playing with Pedersen and how they see the game. And, and it was a really interesting kind of insight he had. And, um, you know, he, he's also a player that, that in the end just says, you know what? It's kind of the, you know, you can, you can talk all you want when you're scoring goals. When you're not, you know, and this is true in any sport. When you're not, you know, you got, go score some goals. Don't say anything else. And I think he's been very much about that. And he's still kept it pretty, pretty straight and narrow, even when he has been having some success. And he was like, you know, I asked him about it and he said, you know what? I just had to keep working hard. And he said, I wasn't getting any points to start the season. Now I am. And he says, I think I've worked hard to get that happen. And, you know, credit to him. That's good. Um, Another young player I wanted to ask you your impressions on, uh, not with a hefty first round tag hanging around his neck, but Adam Gaudet is one of mm-hmm. those players who had a little bit of the counter of that. When he was achieving what he was achieving in college, it was like, man, can you believe this guy was a yeah. fifth round pick? Yeah. So all of a sudden, this guy who was a mid round pick and maybe you're surprised at, or you know what, he's a solid NHL or all those, mm-hmm. all those conversations. 
Hobie Baker winner, like people expecting. There's almost right. first-round expectations on a kid who went in the fifth round. Right. First goal, finally. How much of that do you think he was gripping a little bit to get the first goal? Do you think this is going to make him a little bit freer or is it recognizing that Adam Gaudet was a fifth rounder and he can be a solid NHLer without scoring 30, 35, 40 goals a year? I think it's actually, yeah, I think it's the latter. I mean, he essentially admitted that he had started squeezing that stick hard that he was he knew it was something he didn't want to think about but he was aware of you know he'd played 20 games and he still hadn't scored and uh you know as a guy you know he 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 sort of put in in a bunch of different boxes which was you know he's a smart kid he sort of said listen yeah of course you know everybody wants to score but at the same time you know he's like I've made the NHL, you know, that, that, that in itself is an achievement and I'm not trying to sweat too much, not scoring, but also he's a guy that scored his whole life. And so, you know, he was having to still adjust to that mentally. And, and so he talked in reference to that. He said, listen, yeah, I scored and now that I don't have to think about it anymore. You know, that he, you know, of course is hopeful that a few more goals will come and he'll get some more opportunities. And, you know, he, he's getting ice time. He's, He's deserving of it. I don't think we're sitting back and saying, man, he's, uh, he's in over his head. But yeah, like, as you said, there, he's not a first rounder. He was a great player in college the last couple of years. He won the Hobie Baker, which was a huge statement about how well he played and how important that team was as well, that he was on a really good team and he played really well on a really good team. Um, and so now stepping into the NHL where, you know, he's making that transition to the professional game. Not only is he moving from, not the NHL to the NHL, but he's moving from a, a style of hockey that is 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 physical, but not in the same way. Isn't as fast, uh, and it, it just simply isn't uh, you know isn't the same schedule. This is a player that even now, I mean, he's only twenty games and twenty five games into his NHL career. Um, but when you're playing college, you're not playing other, every other night, and so it's learning how to regulate your energy. And that was something that you know, I think I mentioned before, Brock Besser, uh, you know, mentioned to me before the season was that was sort of the lesson last year was just recognize it's not just the length, but it's the, it's the regularity and learning how to, how to both manage your energy, but also realizing how much more energy you need because, you know, you're, you're never going to get necessarily back to a hundred percent because you're playing the next night. So, you know, you have to think about how do I actually make it so that the sort of average between the two games is better than having a good game and a, a poor game, but at the same time, making sure that you're putting all that you can. You know, it's that difficult balance. And so Godet obviously is fighting through that. And then there's the skill level question. So, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round. Well, there's a reason why he was drafted in the fifth round. It's because at least in that year, he wasn't perceived and he wasn't seen to be first round talent. He was seen to be a professional talent, but not first round talent. And that there's a difference there, which is that he wasn't at the top of the pyramid at at least one point in his development curve. And we see it now, which is that, you know, he, he misses on a lot of shots. He gets shots, but he misses. He's trying to pick corners. And, and I mean, I think back a lot about a, a story I wrote ages ago. I talked to a college golfer and I asked him, what was the difference between stepping up from college golf to uh, he was essentially, I can't remember, he was playing on like the web.com tour or something. You know, he's playing a, a sort of a sub PGA tour tour. And I said, what's the difference? And he said, uh, you know, he said, listen, he talked about the drivers and he said, you know, in college, everyone hit within, you know, three degrees. And on the tour he's in, everyone's hitting within sort of a degree, you know, like two degrees. And then on the PGA tour, everyone's hitting on with like within half a degree. Like it's just the fine, the fineness of the skill level. 
Um, and so I think Godet's run into that a little bit, and that's going to be something going forward. You know, if he's going to develop into more than just sort of a che- solid checking center, which I think he's sort of already showing himself to at least be on the curve for that. Um, if he can find a little more, you know, fine edge to his game, which means, you know, get a little bit better on skating and get just get a little bit better at shooting. Yeah, he's going to become quite a quite an interesting player. He's already a useful player. Now the challenge is how does he become an interesting player? Now the time by the time people download and listen to this podcast, this story will have been published on theprovince.com, but you're writing about Troy Stetcher yeah. as well. Interesting start to the season for him. I mean, in many ways dependable, steady, game mm-hmm. doesn't vary too much. Mm-hmm. Yet in and out of the lineup, in and out of responsibility, ice time up and down. Troy Stetcher going forward for the Canucks for you. It, it, you know, he's an interesting player. I think, you know, the, 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 uh, the Canucks defense core, of course, same as last year and, uh, has the same flaws and same sort of struck construction challenges as it did last year. They're getting a better performance from, from Ben Hutton. And a lot of that is just simply him being able to, to do more, which is a, in many ways, purely a fitness story. Troy Stetcher last year, I think we forget started poorly, but, Built himself up as the season went along, uh, and became a really dependable uh, defenseman. And you know, I talked to him actually, interestingly enough, last week before uh, he got scratched on Saturday night, which Tra- Travis Green said simply was a case of him wanting to al- get Alex Biega a game, uh, get him into the lineup. And Biega, you know, has done well in his own kind of wild child kind of way, which is, you know, he'll. <laughs> He's not, he's not gonna, he's never gonna be their best defenseman and he knows that, but he's gonna, he wants to contribute and, you know, he's been a useful enough player so far this season, I guess in six games. But, uh, no, Stetcher, Stetcher's been solid. You know, he, he's, he's had a variety of defense partners. He's mostly been either with Michael Delzato or, or Derek Pouliot, who are both players who, uh, have strengths and have, you know, pretty glaring weaknesses and that they're not, both of them are not, uh, are, are not, terribly good in their own end but both have when they're dialed in can be really useful players and part of it is playing with a guy like Stetcher who is just a just a smart puck guy on the puck uh, he's really good defending the neutral zone I mean that's such a focus of coaching now is just disrupting the other team's attack and you know the the Canucks have done a really good job on cutting down on shots off the rush uh, which which Statistically have been proven to be tougher shots for goalies than, than shots that are developed out of a, an attack within the zone. And he's, he's really good at that. And he's really good at taking space away. Um, if you look at, and this is something I'm focusing on the story, but, uh, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, you know, shot rates essentially when he's on the ice versus when he's not, the other team doesn't get shots from, from the middle of the ice. And a lot of that has to do with the fact he's really good at breaking up plays. And so, you know, I mean, there's a, there is a case, I think, to be made that he should be playing more, um, that, that he's a player that, that, you know, if, if the Canucks, you know, are serious about improving, that, that he's a guy that you get on the ice more. And right now, you know, he's been fortunate in that he's been paired up with Ben Hutton because Eric Goodbranson is out injured and, and that they're a pairing that I think those of us that think a little more numbers is a really exciting pairing because they're both very similar players and that they're smart on, on the rush and they're pretty good decision makers when they're trying to get the puck out of your own end. And if that, that's, you know, a, a pairing that stays together, the Canucks are going to have a lot of success, I think, between the two of them. So yeah, Stetcher, good, good player, you know, interesting guy, local guy. Everyone kind of likes him. Little guy, everyone loves the little guy. Uh, yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to see. For me, the other thing that's going to be interesting to see is whether he gets more penalty kill time. Because given how badly things have gone on the penalty kill of late, it's hard to argue against having him in there. Um, but we'll see. 
because in the end, like I said, he's he's been sort of leaned on to kind of be a dependable sort of second pairing guy, sometimes third pairing guy at five on five. Looks like he's capable of more, and we'll see uh, we'll see if he can stick with it. It's funny you mentioned Delzato and you mentioned Good Branson, yeah. a couple of guys who draw an instant reaction from yeah. Canuck fans. Um, but I, I'm not going to say I was surprised at the reaction last night to the fact they played Chelsea Dagger in right. the arena. But I might be, I might admit to being surprised at the level of anger that yeah. this seemed to draw from Canuck fans. Now I, you know, I get it being a huge soccer fan and having my, my team as, in the European soccer world is it's very tribal and the most yeah. trivial things get blown up yeah. and the rivalries and the blood and all it should I mean we we can we can debate whether yeah. the Blackhawks are still a rival of the Canucks right. but it's no doubt the wounds from yeah. that period are still very deep yeah and it's it's a song that's uh it, it, it's like why is that even necessary like what I don't like huh. yeah it's not it's not like it's a top 40 hit it's right not like now. it's a top 40 hit you know it's sort of like uh it, it you know there's it's not even. It's not even. Or before you even get into the, the association with the Blackhawks, it's like, why? What is this meant to pump the crowd up? Like, has it been proven? You couldn't find your Cotton Eye Joe CD, right? You know, it's been proven to be better at. I mean, it's it's what like a fifteen year old song anyway, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's you know ten years old anyway. But look, I know we can be we can be the negative and cynical about hockey. I think that's just sort of in the nature of both media and a lot of hockey fans. Yeah, well. Yeah. It's the thing people love the most and so you, you can pick away at it and you're always looking to criticize or whatever. But I do find that the NHL game presentation is very cookie cutter and it's right. like if they do that in Calgary and it's worked, yeah. let's put in a horn here yeah. or like a train whistle. We all have to have that. Let's have to have a little sound drops. Let's have the players doing goofy things like throwing a red light back and forth and put them yeah, yeah. on, on the, on the screen. So maybe it's a little of that. It's just on an NHL playlist. Who knows? I mean, it could be anyway. It was rock and roll. Part. It was. Three. <laughs> it's a strange choice. I mean, I'm just glad, by the way, that Rock and Roll Part Two has finally escaped because of its obviously pedophile connections. But uh, no, having Chelsea Dagger just was such a strange choice. And of course, as we saw, the reaction, at least on social media, was pretty. I, I don't. I'm not sure necessarily. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if people necessarily would have clued in when they were in the rink. Maybe they would. I don't know. Yeah, but it, you know, it, it here's the other funny. It's thing. hard to say because you're at that point you've you've got loud music and you're getting other stuff you're just rammed down your throat. Yeah. But I would guess there was an audible groan. Yeah, you know, or you would have been like, wait, what? But and the other thing too is that that was a crucial point of the game. Yeah, like is that really the amp up music you're gonna play? Like, can, yeah. can you play some U two? I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it was it was a strange choice. It was a strange moment to play it. It was. Just, yeah, I don't quite get it. And that yeah. harkens back, by the way, to one of my favorite Canuck rumors that never happened, and that was that Francesco had had convinced you two to play uh, at at during 2011 that they were going to show up and actually play live <laughs> that intro that to to else. I think it was the first game. So remember, there's there was this weird story that that you two got lost or their bus and, and Gilbert Brule picked Brulé, them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they were around in town and they were hurt. And so yeah, there was yeah. just this bizarre rumor and everyone that thought was that at first, time too, wasn't it? That yeah. they were going to play live, like up where the odds would used to play like that. Oh, it would have been something else, but I wish that it that actually would have been a cool moment. I mean, yeah. I know people most, a lot of people hate that song, but I, 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 I was always kind of loyal to it. What do you think the bill for you two would be for oh, Francisco? God. I just want you to play like, 
Three not even songs. the full song. Just come out, just do this oh. intro, and then you're on your way. I mean, I guess you could make it part of your sort of private uh, after after game party in your suite or something like that. You know, you just say highly possible. Yeah. Anyway, um, listen. I know last week you did a uh, or the week before you did a sort of a, a broader look at the Canucks to this point. Who's your right. who's been your team MVP to this point? Oh, Brock Bat or uh, <laughs> Bo Horvat, without a doubt, because he's he's had to carry a huge load. Uh, Brandon Sutter. Who was sort of being penciled into a role that actually made way more sense than what uh, he'd been perceived at in recent years, just basically focusing on penalty killing, uh, playing, you know, a sort of third line minutes behind those, those other two, taking some defensive, taking defensive draws, basically giving Bo Horvat a bit of a break. And Horvat, who's emerged as an elite faceoff man. And, you know, not every faceoff is as important as another. And, uh, but, in the end, when he's on the ice, the Canucks are winning something like almost 60% of their draws, which is, you know, not nothing, not something to, to, uh, turn your nose at. Um, and he's scoring and he's, he's having success as a two-way player to a level that we've not seen in the past. That was always a bit of a knock on him was that, you know, as much as he was a exciting offensive player, that his sort of defensive abilities were, you know, so-so. And he's really taken a huge step forward this year. I think it's partly just maturing, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's what, 23 now, you know, it's just, it's just, he's, be, he's taken a step forward in, in his, in his development and, and it really has become a really top notch player. And, and yeah, and, you know, I think it's also the fact that, for instance, you know, he's not wearing the C and people, I think, sort of speculate one day he will, but, you know, he's, he's taken on the role and it's something we've noted. He's taken on the role that, that Henrik used to take with that, you know, especially in the last, you know, that eight game streak that he was always there. He was ready to talk and, and he would sort of sit there and wait for us and you'd come in and you'd see him. And, you know, I think there was, there was a game last week where we, we kind of looked at him and he kind of stood up and saw us and we just said, you know, we just kind of looked at him and said, you know, don't, you know what? Don't worry about it, Bo. Like, there's other guys here actually, you know, and it's, you know, and that, that, that was to his credit, I would say, because he's willing to, to be there, to be the spokesman. And, you know, even if there's not anything super insightful to say necessarily, you know, a lot of those games kind of spoke of themselves, bad luck, you know, a couple bad moments, bad penalty killing. He was there. And, and, you know, like I said, you put that on top of him developing as a defensive player, the fact he's putting up points. And has had some nights where he's put up points, even with wingers that probably deserve deserve to be further down the lineup. Uh, yeah, he's he's without a doubt been the MVP for me. Um, I I kind of knew you were going to say that, yeah. but to me it just reinforces what I've seen, not just from us, but from all media. We talked about this with Ed Willis when we did one of our panel videos a couple of weeks ago. We get so excited and distracted by Elias Pettersson, how good he is, and and about shotgun Jake, and yeah. you know, then even some of the you know, we can debate the good goaltending or bad goaltending right. or is Markstrom, but it's like I don't know. I think people are surprised and shocked at how well Horvat has stepped into that role, right. especially as you said. I mean, we you always expect him to work hard, be responsible yeah. defensively, take a lot of that load on, but. To, to put up the points that he is, I, I'm not sure that people saw that yet. It's not really a storyline. People are sort of, it's almost lost in the shuffle when people are talking about the Canucks. Horvat's almost just an afterthought. He's not a, I don't want, of course he's a friend of mine player because he's one of those guys that is going to be chief in the foundation for this team to turn around. But yeah. there's something about him that people are just, I don't know if taking for granted is the right phrase, but there's other things that seem to steal a conversation away from his spotlight. I find myself every time he gets the puck. mixed metaphors like crazy yeah. there. <laughs> I, I find myself every time he, he touches the puck, you know, he got, gets set on a rush. I, I, he, 
you kind of go, okay, what's, you know, what's he going to do here? Because he's, he's become such a powerful skater and, and he has such good one-on-one instincts. He's different from Patterson. He doesn't have the shifty stick handling, but he has power and, and he puts defenders on their back foot and he makes them, he makes them, he makes them react to him. And he has a lot of success doing it. It's, it's actually really, it's a really neat thing to watch. And, and I, I find more than anything, that's something that's really stood out to me. And maybe, maybe it's just because I'm there in person so often now that I see that. Maybe I didn't see it before, but I, I really do think about the fact that, you know, he's, like I said, he's sort of mature. He's, he, he's maturing into his twenties. You know, he's in that, he's in, he's first of all, statistically in now beginning the peak of his, of, where he's going to be at as a as a player but also it's just that understanding of of you know the physical maturity too that there is a difference between 21 between 22 between 23 and and he just has he's found himself into a really nice physical groove and and I think I think that's you know I think things are only going to get better as things go and especially as this team returns to health you know it's Brandon Sutter's not going to be back anytime soon Jay Beagle is expected back uh you know the end of this week or next week and you know while Beagle plays a, a more of a checking role he he is a guy that the, the team at least looks to to be a guy on on face-offs and that will take in some of the load off off of Horvat and and you know you sort of say it is one of those ones where a little less pressure could actually have great benefit to him all right, last thing here before we go. What do you expect from the Canucks over the next couple of weeks now? We've seen all this road travel. Yeah. They are kind of ahead in the games played. Yeah. They'll get to ha- spend more time at home over the next couple of weeks. I know you're not done with the big road trips yet, but yeah. – uh, and, and and not as hectic a schedule as we lead up to Christmas. You know, I think – I've been thinking a lot about that game last night just because, you know, it was a game that was there for the taking and, uh, you know, that they 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 didn't get a win. They really should have. And I, and knowing how, I mean, I wasn't there, but knowing how that team's been reacting, you know, that, that was a, that was a moment that they'll be, or not a moment, but a, a night where they'll have said, man, we really, that, that was one that we really shouldn't have let get away. And we did. And, and, you know, because there were, there were enough games in recent times where they said, nope, we just didn't play well enough. You know, we should have been better, but fair play, you know, that's who we are. That's where we're at. Uh, but yeah, to lose, to lose like that was tough. You know, this game against Vegas on Thursday is going to be hard. And, and, uh, you know, the, the schedule is, is, I mean, they're at least at home for, you know, another, you know, 10 days and then they go out on the, on the road again next week, but, uh, or another week, I guess I should say, but it's going to be, it's going to be tough because, you know, no game, there are no easy games. You know, it's a little cliche, but there aren't, you know, there, this, this division is not great. Um, but they're all kind of the same, you know, there's sort of the same quality of team. Vegas is on the rise. The Oilers, we'll see what the Oilers actually have, but the Oilers seem look like they were on the rise and then fell back down again. Right. I mean, they're sort of, I mean, that's kind of them. And I think the many ways, I mean, they, they have better, they, you know, they've got McDavid, so automatically have better top end talent than the Canucks, but a, a similar team that has a lot of, uh, a lot of parts to it that you don't quite get why they're there. Um, good coach, obviously. Uh, and then you look at Arizona. Arizona's been playing well. Uh, you look at Calgary. Calgary seemed to have figured it out despite the fact that maybe they don't have the goaltending that, uh, they really should have. You know, you look at San Jose. I mean, that San Jose team we saw on Friday night was, was really good. I mean, they, they are just, you know, that, that's the thing with San Jose is yeah. as bad as they looked earlier in the year. Yeah. I think they're one of those teams that's bored with the regular season. Yeah. They've got a lot of veterans. Yeah. They've got guys who've yeah. been there before. And now they've added Carlson and, yeah. and you know, 
you just know that February, March is when you're going to have to pay attention to Sam. You know, and I wrote, I think I wrote about it. It was, you know, the Couture and Pavelski, you know, they're, <laughs> they're on the same team and they're two of the best centers in the game. You know, they're just strong two-way guys who, who beat you more times than, more times than not one-on-one. And, uh, you know, the Kings, I, the Kings, I think are just a mess. And, you know, like I said, the Canucks really should have won that game last night. And, Kings have decided that they're in the Jack Hughes sweep. Yeah. Case, for sure. 100%, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, there's only, you know, there's only three, four spots for the playoffs. And I just mentioned five or six teams. So it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. The Canucks, you know, I think the Canucks, they, 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 they can look to see how well they played at the beginning of the year and a lot of things they were doing well and they, they will want to get back to that. And, you know, as they, like I said, as they get, are getting back to some health, they're going to, they're, it's now all kind of on them. If they can get back to that and they can find themselves, even at least play 500 hockey. If they can play 500 hockey, you know, running into Christmas and then kind of come back. They've got a long, they've got that long road trip right after Christmas, which, you know, I mean, we've already said make or break, but, um, they're not out of it, but yeah, they, you know, they have games, they have, ga- everybody else has games in hand on them and not everybody's going to win those games in hand. That's always the lesson. And not everybody's going to, uh, you know, the Canucks are not going to give away all their points either, but at the same time, you know, they, it, it's, it's going to be a tough battle. And, you know, if, even if they want to try to talk about playoffs, it's, it's a long way to go and it's going to be really challenging. Well, thanks for that, Patrick. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will endeavor to do these twice a week, so hopefully we'll have another one for you by Friday. Um, This is the White Towel Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman. He's Patrick Johnson. We'll have Ben Kuzma, Ed Willis, Harrison Mooney, uh, maybe even Mike Raptus, a a vast cast of characters that will contribute to podcasts over the the year. So to ensure that you don't miss any of them, you can subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts and give us a nice rating if you enjoy them. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Thanks.